Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Since I've moved to Colorado, I have had the pleasure of, of coming off my horse twice. Since I've since I've come to Colorado, both both times was on Fiona, and uh, she, she's a heck of a cow horse. But whenever she's not very big, and um, some of you might have heard these two stories before. Uh, some of you were heathens and wasn't here, so I'm going to tell it anyway. So uh, <clears throat> the first time was a, a few years ago now, several years ago, out at Phil Mueller's, and we had to we had to rope a a big yearling and doctor her and I got her I got her roped around the neck and and I was dallied up and I mean this this thing was probably weighed more than Fiona did and anyway it was fighting and fighting and fighting and and Fiona doesn't have very high withers and so the saddle started sliding forward and I mean I I had her cinched up tight it wasn't rolling side to side but it just kind of kept creeping forward and when she was young the guy that started her actually roped a cow on her and kind of hurt her back a little bit. And so whenever something's really pulling on her from the front, I think it starts to hurt her back or something. So what she did is, you know, the, the, the yearling was out in front of us and she started going down and down and she kind of basically just like crouching tiger, hidden dragon or whatever yoga pose y'all do, you know, uh, like this, and and whenever her feet are right out in front of her and her head is between her knees, there's nothing to keep the saddle on. And it pulled the saddle right off, and the last thing I really remember, Ty tells the story a lot better because he saw it second person, but but from my viewpoint, she the, the saddle slid forward and she went down, and then she reared up, and the yearling took off, and whenever I hit the ground, I was still dallied with both feet still in the stirrups. And so, anyway, I, I ended up letting go, and so uh, Ty went over there or somebody else, and and while I resaddled my horse because she was standing there like, well, what was that all about, you know? And and then uh, just this past summer, it happened again, and I, and I was dallied that time, and and I should have just popped my dallies, but you know, hindsight hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You know, you can say, well, I should have done this, I could have done that, blah blah blah, but uh, the last time was this summer and, and I roped, I, I roped another one and, and it wasn't quite as big, but it just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And this time I was tied hard and fast. And so there's, there's no popping the dallies unless you cut your rope. And the reason I did that is I was trying to teach her to whenever it started pulling, if it started hurting to just turn around and let the saddle do the work with the breast collar instead of going down. And, and we worked on that for a long time, but I needed both hands on the reins to, to be able to turn her and stuff like that. So it was kind of a planned deal, but it happened in a split second. We did good for a long time. We were really working. She was doing really good. And then I was trying to help the other guy that was, that was, uh, trying to get her healed because it was in tall grass and it's just, it's, it's hard to do. And so I'm kind of, I stopped paying attention to what I was doing and, and sure enough, I'm sitting there and I'm telling him what to do and ties in the gator. 
And Ty's like, watch out, she's going down. And I mean, immediately, she, I mean, she just dropped to the ground. I didn't have any time to turn her. And so whenever she went down, the saddle slid up on her neck. And then she reared up again. And just as soon as I was just going to step off and cut my rope uh, is, is when she reared up. And it's really hard to ride a horse that's rearing up when you're tied on to a 650-pound yearling when the saddle's up on their neck. And, and really, when she, when, she, uh, when she reared up, I was about right here. And, and I fell right underneath her. And then she came down on top of me. And when I say she came down on top of me, she didn't fall or anything. And really, uh, the Ty and the other guy that was helping me said that, that they were amazed at what she did because that saddle was all the way up on her neck. But she was watching me and she was stepping around me. But they said that her back feet were just right there by my face. There's another thing that's been slipping like that. I've held on to it uh, for a long, long time. I've believed in it. I've trusted in it. And now I'm not so sure. And I think that some of the times that my faith or my trust in God has kind of started to slip. And I think I've hit the ground a couple of times because of that. And the thing that has been slipping is my belief in God's plan for my life. Now, I'm not saying that I'm quitting Save the Cowboy or anything like that. That's not it. But to begin, before I tell you what it is, we've got to look at three things. The three wills of God, or maybe, maybe we can uh, uh, talk about the plan of God. The, the, the first will of God is God's sovereign will. Okay, his sovereign will that that is God's plan. You can read about it all through all throughout uh, uh, the the Bible. <laughs> the Bible is filled with God's sovereign will. You know, even when Adam and Eve, when they sinned uh, and then they're kicked out of the garden and then we go to Abraham and and God foreshadowing that he would send his son to be that ultimate sacrifice. You know, and then he knew that he would send Jesus at the right time and, and he knew exactly what would happen to Jesus. And, and then and then the Bible talks about Jesus is going to come back for us. Man, all of that is God's sovereign will. You can't do anything to mess that up. OK, but you also can't do anything, you know, to 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 hasten that God is going to do what he's going to do in his own time. And nobody can mess up God's sovereign will. OK, that's the first will of God. And then you have the moral will of God. This is how God wants us to act. You know, uh, uh, it, it just and I, and I and I think I recognize it because we can always recognize our own faults more clearly in others. And I hear people all the time say, "I just don't know what God wants me to do." Well, the Bible is filled with exactly what He wants you to do. More importantly, who He wants you to be. It's in black and white. Love God, and and I'm vastly paraphrasing. Okay, love God, love others, humility. Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, you know, you, we can just list all these qualities that Jesus and God time after time after time says, this is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to be. It's the moral will of God. Now, unlike the sovereign will of God, the moral will of God, he says, I want you to do this. But we, we may not be able to mess up God's sovereign plan, but he gave us free will. We don't have to follow the moral will of God. Okay. I mean, 
How many of us go, man, every morning, I can't wait to wake up and ask for patience. You know, nobody does that, right? But that's what God says over and over and over is these are the things, let go of ego, let go of pride, grab a hold of patience and humility and, and loving others, not just those that are easy to love, but especially those that are hard to forgive others. So, sometimes we might have to forgive ourselves. I mean, it, it, it's just over and over and over is the moral will of God. And then there's a third will of God. It's God's individual will for your life. It's what we refer to as God's purpose for your life, your purpose. What does God want you to do? What is his plan for your life? And it is right here when the saddle slides this far forward. What is God's plan for your life? Well, I'm going to give you two scenarios, okay? I'm going to give you two scenarios. Here is the traditional individual plan for God's life. Those that say that God has a specific and individual plan for your life, that my plan is going to be different than Daniel's and my plan is going to be different than Gary's and Gary's is going to be different than Gerald's and Gerald's is going to be different than Jason's and Jason's going to be different than Stephen. But there's an X on a proverbial godly treasure map that we're supposed to find. Okay, this is the traditional view of the individual plan. This is God talking to me. Kevin, I love you and I have created an individual plan for your life. If you can figure out where I want you to live, where I want you to work, where I want you to study, who I want you to marry, you are going to be blessed, fulfilled, and happy. When you find this location, education, vocation, and relation, then everything will start coming together and you will discover what it's like to truly walk with me. I'm not going to tell you where, I'm not going to tell you what or who any of this plan entails, but it's out there. You'll have to seek my guidance and I may or may not speak to you in that still small voice. And when faced with the decision, you will wonder if it is me speaking to you in that still small voice or yourself just seeking what you want. My way will be right and your way will not. Sometimes those may be the same, but most often they will not. Start your treasure hunt today and good luck. If you find it, you are going to be blessed. Does that sound great? What about this one? Kevin, I love you and want to see what you will do with your life. I have created guidelines outlined in the good book for the way I want you to live. You won't have to wonder what I want because it's all in black and white. Who you are is vastly more important to me than what you do. Unless I tell you not to do something, we'll call that sin, you can do whatever you would like. I've given you a spot on my ranch and this ranch has a barbed wire fence around it. Stay within these fences and you may be a cowboy. You can be a handyman, a teacher, a nurse, an accountant, a musician, a painter, a poet, or whatever makes you come alive. Stay within the ranch and I'll bless whatever you decide to do. You won't ever have to wonder what I want because what I want is for you to be with me to be the best version of yourself, which I have outlined extensively in the Bible of how to accomplish this. And I want you to live your life in whatever manner brings you joy and me glory. Where there is no command, you may do or be whatever you like. 
for I will bless anything you decide to do when you become who I want you to be. Which of those sounds more appealing? Okay, one that says, well, guess what? There's going to be a treasure. There's an X on a treasure map, but I'm not going to show you the map. And you're going to pray to me and and you're going to wonder if I'm really answering your prayer or not. Because the only way to be fulfilled and happy and, and successful is for you to find that X on a treasure map. And, you know, it's not going to be easy. But if you listen to me really closely and, and you do all of these things, then, then you might find it. Does that sound more appealing or does it, does it sound more appealing as God says, you know, apart from sin, I don't really care what you do with your life. I care who you are while you're doing it. I don't care if you're a preacher of a cowboy ministry. I don't care if you're a janitor at a church. I care who you are and it is who you are that I will bless, not what you do. Quit worrying about what you're supposed to do and start worrying and don't even worry. Start becoming who you are supposed to be. Do you want God to bless what you do only if you find his specific individual plan for your life? Or would you rather God say, man, I'm going to bless whatever you do. Now, I know that those two things might be a little bit hard to understand. So let's put it in easier terms. Okay. Most of you in here have children, okay? Most of you have children. For your child's life, do you have a specific plan for their life? Do you say when they're born, do you say, well, he's better become a doctor, he better become a lawyer, or he better become a CPA, or he better become a cowboy, or I'm not going to love him anymore and I'm not going to support him unless he or she does exactly what I want him to do. Is that what you do with your kids? No, I, I, I would have a hard time believing that that's the way you look at your kids. But isn't this more of an accurate depiction of who you are, what kind of parent you are? Because I really don't care what my kids do. I want them to do whatever bring, whatever they want to do, but whatever they want to do, I'm more concerned with who they are than what they do. You know, I, I, like I said, I don't care if they are a janitor. I could care less if they if if they are a good and I don't really want to say good person because that's kind of cliche or something. But, you know, somebody that exhibits love and and, and wisdom and, and all of this stuff, man, th- they're going to find contentment in their life. And most of America especially is geared towards being successful but God's ways are not our ways. You're, you're not going to find happiness in a vocation, education, relation, or location. Maybe I said that one twice. But it, you're not going to find happiness in something that you do. You'll only find contentment. And the way to follow God is through who you are, not what you do. See, here's the problems with a person like me that used to believe in God's individual plan for my life. Here's the problems. It creates indecision. How many of us, and you don't have to raise your hand because you'd probably be lying if you're a Christian and you didn't, and I don't want to call you a liar. 
But how many times have you prayed about something and just like, I don't know if this is what God wants me to do or not. I'm praying about it and I'm, I'm just not getting an answer. And oh my gosh, and it creates all this stress. Should I do it? Should I not do it? And we're not talking about sin, okay? That's something that you have to keep in mind. We're talking about when there is no command, we're free to do whatever we want to. But if we believe that God has a specific plan for our life, that we can mess up by not getting to the proverbial X on the treasure map, then if we get off that path, then man, we can end up in no man's land somewhere because we didn't somehow listen to God. Is this really what God wants me to do? Or is this just what I want to do? Because I mean, I don't want to mess up God's plan for my life, but I really want to do this. But if God has a specific plan for your life, what about when he says, um, I, I, I will, I will fulfill the dreams of your heart. Now, wait a minute. And, and then not only does it create indecision, but it leaves no room for wise counsel. I remember a guy that was uh, working and uh, he, he needed another kind of a part-time job, but he didn't want to go down to McDonald's or something like that. And he thought, you know, he heard about these day wages, you know, that these, some of these cowboys were making 7,500, 125 bucks a day, day working and everything. So, but he didn't have the equipment. So he goes and spends $6,000 on a new horse, $18,000 on a new trailer, and $60,000 on a new dually to pull his nice new trailer with his $6,000 horse on it. And he gets two jobs and gets everything repossessed and has to sell the horse. Now, when he came and told me that, he was like, I had an epiphany. I was like, really? I said, what is it? And he goes, I'm going to start becoming a day working cowboy. This dude couldn't rope himself, right? And I'm like, uh, uh, God told you to? Oh, yeah, God told me to do it. He said that he would, that I heard him just as clear as day. He said, go become a day worker and I'll bless that and, and, and all of this. So I went and spent a hundred grand to make 125 bucks a day on the weekends. I was like, well, may, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And he basically looked me in the eye and said, who are you to tell me to disagree with what God told me to do? You see what I mean? It, it, when, when, when people throw that out there, God told me because this is his plan for my life. It absolutely takes wise counsel and just throws it out the window. Because if he would have come to me or if he would have come to Kevin or he would have come to any other cowboy and he just said, man, I got this plan. I'm going to buy me a $60,000 doodly, a $20,000 trailer and a $6,000 horse. And I'm going to day work and make some extra money. <laughs> Ever stinking one of us would have said, uh-uh, I ain't going to happen. You know, I mean, you're not going to make enough money day working to pay for that stuff, much less give you what you need. But you can't argue with somebody that says, God told me. God told me. The third problem with the individual plan for our lives is it creates complacency and excuses. And what do I mean by that? Well, I know who God wants me to be. I know he wants me to have patience and all of that. And when I find his plan for my life, then I'll start doing that. But until then, man, I'm just going to be waiting on God to reveal his grand plan for my life. And, you know, I'll give it a shot every now and then, but, you know, nobody's perfect. So I really won't worry about that until God shows me what he wants me to do. 
Man, that, you know, it's like everything's going to come together whenever I find that X. And then I'll start really following God. I'll really start reading my Bible. I'll really start praying. I'll, I'll really start loving everybody because that X will reveal all of that stuff. And it'll just be easier whenever I know what I'm supposed to do. It doesn't work like that. See, God has outlined extensively who he wants us to be. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to be patient, loving, self-controlled, joyful, faithful, calm, courageous, trusting towards him, wise, gentle, giving, not prone to anger or greed, etc. But see, if I tell you that that's God's plan for your life, man, that's not as glamorous as saying, man, God has this job for you where you're going to, you know, you're going to help people and drive yachts. And, and, you know, have chuck wagons and all of that, man, it's not near as exciting, but that's what the devil throws that, that proverbial carrot in front of our nose that we just keep following the world's ways, thinking that there's something in this world is going to fulfill us. What the thing that's going to fulfill you doesn't come from outside. It comes from within of traveling that narrow trail. And that narrow trail is the moral will of God. You can't say I'm a Christian. Jesus said it himself. He says, why do you call me Lord? But you don't do what I say. Now he didn't say, you know, well, you know, you, you're, you're, you, you over here, you're going to be a, uh, you're going to be a County worker and you're going to drive a backhoe and you're going to do, he doesn't tell us any of that in the Bible, but he explicitly lays out what kind of person we're supposed to be. But we just want to bypass that and get straight to the plan. But there's a good news of no individual plan for your life. You don't have to worry about indecision. If God blesses who we are, not what we do, this, that means that he can bless anything we decide to do. Where there is no command, we have freedom to choose. God did not say, man, you have to do this job or you will not be fulfilled. He says, man, I don't care what you do. I care who you are. Go do it because, man, you can do and, and I And I want to be careful whenever I use this, but I don't know how else to say it. You can do whatever you want. You can follow your dreams. You know, you, you don't have to be stuck in something, some perceived individual plan for your life. Do something that makes you come alive. But I'm telling you that even doing something that makes you come alive, that will not bring you fulfillment only by following God's plan for our life. And, my, and his plan for my life is the same as his plan for your life. And it's to be who he called us to be, to be Christ-like. That doesn't mean that we, that we all have to be preachers. That doesn't mean that we all have to do the same thing. But he all, all of us have the same instruction manual of who we're supposed to be. When, you do, when, you, when you'll just throw out that notion that God's got some magical individual plan for your life and that he wants to bless who you are in whatever you're doing... Then, then all of a sudden you don't have to worry about those decisions. Well, if I do this, is that going to be wrong? Or if I do this, am I going to be missing out on God's plan for my life? If there's no command, you're free to choose. Now, understand, and I'm going to reiterate this. I'm not saying, you know, that, that you can, uh, you know, well, you know, Kevin, the preacher said I could do whatever I wanted to and God will bless it. So I'm going to get into pornography. You know, it's not going to, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when there's no command, he doesn't say you got to be a teacher versus a pilot. Doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you are. 
you, you, you've been kind of floundering. I know you've been kind of, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, I, blah, blah, blah. Man, it's in black and white. Start working on who you are. The good news of no individual plan is that you don't have to worry about indecision anymore. It leaves room for wise counsel. Just because God can bless who we are doesn't automatically mean he will bless dumb decisions. Okay? It says to seek wise counsel. I, I've got several guys. I, I, I've got several people in my life, guys and gals, that, that if, I, if I'm not sure, you know, if, if I should do this or not, you know, I'll go to them and I'll run it past them because, because I know that they're trying to follow the moral will of God, which leads to wisdom, by the way. And that's next week, but a little foreshadowing. But it's okay to go talk to somebody. You know, uh, whenever I was down in Texas, you know, we have about 2,000 acres down there of the original 42 sections that we had. And um, uh, by, by the, uh, what do you call that? The, the, the grass people, the government grass people, whatever. The, the what? No, not the BLM. We don't have BLM down there. We're Texas. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the, the people that set like the grazing standards and stuff, I, I drew a blank, but anyway, uh, they're, they're, we can run six cows on 2000 acres. It's desert. There's, there's nothing there. So, you know, I, I'm sorry, but six cows, you're not going to pay your bills with six cows. You know what I mean? So I was coming up with all these grand plans and all of this stuff. And I talked to, I talked to this one cowboy that I really love and I told him this grand plan and he goes, well, you could do that. It won't work, but you could do it. And I said, why won't it work? He said, listen, Kevin, he said, people run yearlings and cow calves and feed lots and stuff because people have been trying to figure out how to make money their entire lives with cattle. And these are about the only three ways that work. Okay. You're not going to come up with some brand new plan because somebody's tried it and they're going back to running cows and calves or yearlings or a feed lot or, you know, the, the stuff that's already out there. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and we always try, but that's wise counsel. That's the kind of cowboys that I like to surround myself with is those that'll tell me the truth. Well, you can do it. It won't work, but I mean, you can try, you, you know, I wouldn't go buy the dually and the horse trailer and the $6,000 horse and have a, you know, $1,800 payment. Cause they're, you know, at a hundred bucks a day, <laughs> there's not enough weekends in the month. It leaves room for where, where you don't have any indecision. It leaves room for wise counsel. And you know what else it does? We don't have to wait on a specific purpose to follow God today. What if God doesn't have an individual plan for your life? And some of you have already thought about Jeremiah 29, 11, haven't you? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you future and a hope. But this doesn't mean that we will find God's individual plan and then we will have a future and a hope. It means we know God's plan and it is good. It gives us a future and a hope. And, and his plan is for us to become Christ-like through the moral will of God. To be humble, to be patient, to be kind, to love everyone, not just those that are easy to love and love us, but even loving our enemies of following that moral will of God is God's plan for us because that's what makes us Christ-like. Just so we're clear, I am not saying 
that God will bless every single thing that you do. That God owes you something that, well, I've been following the moral will of God and I'm going to do this and God has to bless it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he will bless who you are. I didn't say he would bless every stinking thing that you do. But when you are following the will of God, man, you start knowing clearer and clearer of things that you are supposed to do. And the way we figure that out is through wisdom. And like I said, we will talk about that next week. The thing that will bring you purpose, fulfillment, and peace is the moral will of God. Make that your dream and you'll be amazed at what you will discover. Because that moral plan for your life of letting go, of no longer having a victimhood mentality, of having peace when everything else is going on or when everything is going crazy around you, uh, of, of being able to be courageous whenever things just used to shut you down because you were so scared. These are all of the things that God has called us to be. It is his plan for our life. And you don't have to go on some wild goose chase treasure hunt to find God's plan for your life. You can start it right now. You can open up nearly any page of especially the New Testament and find something of where God says, this is the way I want you to be, not what I want you to do. You can start that today and you will start being blessed. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for your guidance on how to live. Give us the strength and the wisdom to become mighty men and women of God. We do not become mighty based on what we do, but based on who we are. Who we are is the light that shines bright in the darkness and help us to shine bright. And it's in Jesus name I pray. Amen.